Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This episode is brought to you in part by the Needle Cuda Law Firm. Guidance that moves lives forward. Welcome to this episode of Divorce Doesn't Suck. I'm Wendy Sloan, and I'm here with my co-host, Daniel Harold. Good morning, Daniel. Hey, how are you, Wendy? I am good. How are you? You know, I'm living the dream. Other than, you know, spring weather in Tulsa, and of course, you've never been here, but it's like one day it's, you know, 80 degrees, and then the next day, like today, it's dreary and 45. So I'm, I'm ready for spring. I am so ready for spring. We've been having similar weather here in Connecticut too. It was freezing, like bitter cold. And then all of a sudden today it's warm. Yeah. You know where we need to move is to Miami is where we need to move. <laughs> we, we might we might know somebody that's um, that's born and raised there, me. We and might. we might know somebody. Our guest, our guest today is, is in Florida. So let me introduce her. Our guest today, author, divorce coach, podcast coach, certified divorce specialist, divorced, remarried, co-parenting mom, and best-selling author of the newly released book, Moms Moving On, real-life advice on conquering divorce, co-parenting through conflict, and becoming your best self. How wonderful is that? We are so happy to have you. Welcome, Michelle Dempsey-Moltak. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here, and I'm excited you guys have a podcast. I think that's great. Well, we're thank you so much. You're, I think you're actually going to be our first guest uh, appearance on our podcast. So we're really excited, and um, you know, it's I've I've enjoyed watching your journey. We've kind of gotten to know each other over the past year, and boy, you keep yourself busy, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm good at that. <laughs> definitely got to keep myself busy. <laughs> you got a lot of irons in the fire, which is great, and we definitely want to. Focus in on your book because I know that's something that um, you just rolled out, and so we'll talk about that maybe at the end of the podcast because um, we're going to learn all about it and how people can get their hands on it. But you know, one of the the kind of the premise of this podcast is really telling stories, and I think that the, a lot of times when people can talk about their own personal journeys and and how they've come out on the other side it provides inspiration. And, you know, I know a lot about you professionally, Michelle, but I'd love to know a little bit more about you and your own personal journey and how you got to, you know, where you are today. Can you, can you talk a little bit about how you got where you are today? Um, sure. I mean, that's like such a fully loaded question. I think my <laughs> life has, you know, when you look at your life in hindsight, you're able to connect all the dots. And I think every little piece of it from the time I was eight years old and my parents 
very high conflict divorce started to mm. the time I was 33 years old and found myself, you know, getting divorced with a two-year-old to care for and co-parent. I think all of that has led me to where I am today um, in strange, intricate, meant-to-be type of ways. But I am in the divorce space that I'm in the way that I am now because the simple fact was I got divorced and I felt alone and isolated with a million great friends and a huge family. I felt like I was all alone on divorce Island. And, you know, my, my friends who were supportive and wonderful were happily married and, and newlyweds at that and having their second and third babies and going on date nights. And I couldn't believe like nobody could understand where I was coming from ever when I was feeling down and out about not having my daughter for the weekend or really anxious because of the divorce process and not knowing like what to do or how to feel better about that. So that's why I created the space that we're in, the moms moving on space and all the articles I started putting out for the different mommy publications I was writing for. And that's where the need for my podcast was born because people were coming to me with questions that I kind of didn't know how to answer. So I was bringing on the professionals who could. And then I became a coach and a certified divorce and co-parenting specialist. And the next you know, natural step in that process was writing the book. So that's, you know, the cliff notes of my journey. Um, feel free to book me for another 17 episodes if you want to hear the details. <laughs> <laughs> done, done. I have to say what you said, Michelle, alone and isolated. That's how I felt too. I mean, your friends yeah. can be there. My friends surrounded me like a cocoon, but you're right. They went on, they had their lives. They were having their children. They were have, going to events. They were couples. and it's difficult, very difficult. And nobody can understand it unless you walk through the journey yourself. For sure. And that's the thing is like, the people that love you want to be there for you. But then they also have lives too, like you said, right. and that it was it was like, infuriating. Like, what do you mean? You're like having a date night, but I'm dying here. And so <laughs> social media was like, terrifying to me on the weekends, I couldn't even scroll through Facebook, because I didn't want to see it. And, and there's just so many of those things that you don't think about. Like when you want to leave a marriage or when your marriage is ending for whatever reason, you're only focused on the survival. Like, can I physically do this? And then you realize all the other emotional pieces that come into play. And it's, it's a lot. You know, uh, I remember someone uh, that I spoke with, with divorce over 40. She's based in LA and she said, she was just going through a divorce. She's like, well, I guess I'm off the Christmas invite list from all my friends. You know, but it does put your friends in like an awkward position because, you know, I don't think it's always about taking sides. I don't, a, a lot of people kind of use that as the excuse of like, well, who do I, who do I empathize with? Who do I side with? Um, a lot of it is just the busyness that they're in too. But, you know, I'd be curious, you know, looking back and maybe as you as a friend today, what do you think like a married person or a married friend should do when someone gets divorced in their in their friend circle what what do you think how, how should someone behave what should they do so it's hard right because when we are a couple and we have been together for years we sort of identify most with other couples and our lives are entwined with you know the couple's trips and the date nights and the card nights and whatever um i think that it's really hard because I've seen like being on the other side, like, and having friends who have gotten divorced, um, you as a woman want to be there to support the woman. And then your husband is like, well, 
you know, he's hurting too. And, and it, it causes a divide in your own life. And I yeah. don't think that the, the divorced person necessarily notices that all they feel is like, okay, these people don't want anything to do with me anymore. Like, is it me? Like, is it my divorce when they don't, it's just so hard for the couples to choose a side that they just isolate everybody that's involved in the divorce. And that's unfair too. But I think that if you want to be a supportive friend, despite whether you're still married or not, and despite whether or not it makes your partner uncomfortable because he or she wants to maintain a relationship with the other person in the divorce, you can do that. It doesn't take much to be like, look, regardless of our husbands being friends, I got you. Let's meet for coffee. I want to, I want to hear how you're doing. I don't want you to think that because our husbands are friends, I don't have your back. Like it doesn't take much. Nobody's asking you to like stand, you know, on one side of the, of the line in the war, like on, uh, in the battlefield, like you're, right. you're really just, you can blur these lines a little bit. It doesn't have to be so black and white. Absolutely. Yeah. I always tell people just reach out if anything at all, because the lack of reaching out is painful. And yeah. I remember one of my, I only had one guy friend that reached out to me and he, and I avoided his call because I figured he was trying to get some scoop. But then my ex, soon to be ex-wife encouraged me to call him back because uh, I told her and he said, hey, I know what's going on. I'm just here for you if you want a beer. And yeah, that was that's, it. That's I was like, that's all it, you yeah. can do. You know, that, at a bare minimum, acknowledge it and say, I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize you guys like, I mean, I did realize because I felt the pain of the friendships changing after divorce, but how much that needed to be discussed and how glad I am that I put so much about that into my book because that's sort of a it's it's like you're going through the hardest time in your life and then you realize your friendships are shifting too naturally Mm -hmm. that's just what happens after a divorce and it's like a second period of mourning that you have to go through and it's really hard like you you're hurting so naturally you need your friends but this divorce is what I what I call separating people into the flockers and the fleers You've got the people who flock to you for whatever reason. They either want to mm-hmm. be there or misery, misery loves Mis- company. Yes. And, and they just want to immerse themselves in your drama to avoid their own. And then you have the people who flee, like out of nowhere, like stop answering the phone, stop texting back, stop inviting you to things. And this is a part of the divorce process that nobody talks about. And it happens to everybody. And so, I mean, I was happy to write as much about it in my book as I did, because it was so necessary. I didn't realize till I started getting feedback from people. I agree. And then there's, then there's also that there's also that we're, we're mothers and we're fathers, right? But we're, we're mothers. So our kids are here. We are, we're feeling isolated. We're feeling alone. Our friends are shifting. And we, first and foremost, we have to be parents still because the kids didn't choose. This. Oh yeah, that too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. You know, I'm always curious when, Michelle, I'm always curious when people turn the corner. So when you were going through your own personal storm, and we don't have to dive too much into that, but when did you feel, you know, I always, everybody that asked me, how long is, is my storm going to last? I said, well, it's just not linear. Uh, it's different for every person. Some people are in a very high conflict divorce. Others aren't. Um, but when did you know at that moment following your divorce and maybe what, what's some of the work that you did? um to get to get to that point where you woke up that one day i don't know if you even remember it you woke up that one day and you're like 
I got this. I'm going to be okay. Oh, I felt that before <laughs> my marriage ended. I'm a very really? like, strategic type A controlling person. Like I like to like have a plan, make sure all the pieces are in place so that it executes perfectly. So that's why air travel for me in the last year and a half has been really hard because my flights are constantly getting canceled and my plans are always getting messed up. <laughs> I, I like, I like to, I don't, I don't jump into something without knowing that I'm going to be okay. So I took a lot of time to have to sit with the fact that my marriage wasn't working for whatever reason. I had a lot of my own shit that I carried into it that played into the demise of my marriage. And I had to like sit with all of this and be okay with it. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I grew up in a very traumatic divorce and, and, you know, my parents' divorce took all of 10 years to finalize. So it was the entirety of my adolescence and I had been through a lot and my mentality was always like, I've been through worse. I can do this. I made sure I had my ducks in a row financially. I made sure I was earning enough to be able to take care of my daughter and I, if, if that were going to be the case, if we were going to be all on our own financially. And I did all of that so that when I, the marriage did end, I would feel okay. That's the part I was okay. I was okay getting divorced. I was fine. Like I knew it needed to happen. I knew I needed to work on myself. I had accepted all those things, but what I wasn't okay with, and nobody really thinks so too much about was how hard co-parenting was going to be. That adjustment was rough. Mm -hmm. And again, like the other things in your life, the collateral damage, like I didn't think that part through either uncoupling, you know, from friends, from in-laws, from like routines and, you know, the first holiday and the first birthday without your spouse, like all of those things are really hard. But I do think it takes a solid two years until you can wake up and say, okay, now I'm good. Now the dust has settled. Now my emotions are manageable. Now I can see things for what they really are. And I'm good. I'm okay. And I think you have to allow for that time. Like there's literally no award given for the person who moves past their marriage the fastest. The whole point is that you're <laughs> there is not. <laughs> if you just the whole point talking... is sorry, Michelle, yeah, go you ahead. just have to be committed to the process. Like I think if you are committed to the process and you know that it's not linear and some days are going to really suck and some days are going to feel great, eventually it all works out. If you yeah. just tuned in, we're talking to Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, her new book. We're going to talk about that as well later on in the podcast, Moms Moving On, real-life advice on conquering divorce, co-parenting through high conflict, and becoming your best self. What you said really resonated with me, and I hope that whoever's listening and everyone that's listening takes your advice. Sit with your own time. That really got to me because I didn't do that in my divorce. I didn't think it through beforehand. Um I think that was some powerful, powerful things that you just said for people out there. Like before you jump into it, like make sure you're going to be okay with it when the time comes. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, I mean, this isn't a decision you want to just make in haste. Like, oh, you know what? I think I'll get divorced now. And I think most people don't. I, I think, I mean, I heard recently, I forgot whose podcast I was on where they said that women spend an average of four years, like agonizing over this decision before they before they finally like find the strength to leave the marriage that they're unhappy in. Um, and for a lot of women, their marriage ends without them wanting it to end. So yeah. it's, it's so different for everybody. It's so hard to say like, you know, 
you're going to be good in two years. You might be good in two weeks because you've been desperate to be free of this. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's different for everyone. Versus yeah. the guys that get married in six months following their divorce, right? <laughs> oh, God. That too. That too, Daniel. <laughs> but and then you wonder wanna, why wanna... second marriages end so, so frequently. Yeah. I know. Well, and that's part of the problem is, is a lot of people feel uncomfortable sitting in their, um, the, the point that you said, sitting in your own time or with your own time and, and just kind of embracing the new norms. And you, you know, I know the feelings of, and the pangs of loneliness and lack of connection. I mean, you're losing all your friends here along, along the process. And so you're losing connection and, and you start to get lonely. And then that always leads to making bad decisions, you know, too early. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. I think, but we're all human and we're all like the blind leading the blind when we are coming out of a marriage that, you know, we may have been in for decades or maybe this was our high school sweetheart and we've never been intimate with anybody else. Like I, I've heard it all. And so there's going to be some fumbling and you're going to naturally want to find out, am I still desirable? Is somebody still going to want to touch me? Is you know, am I going to die alone? Like, these are all the questions that people have. And so it is, you know, part of human nature to want to know that, like, you've still got it and, and you'll end up in another relationship someday. But to seek that out without really taking a look at yourself and what you may have brought to the marriage table that wasn't necessarily perfect and understanding why your patterns have been your patterns or why you've you know, been attracted to the people you've been attracted to who have hurt you, you're only going to find yourself kind of back at square one if you don't deal with that stuff first. I think yeah. this is why it's so important that you, you've, you've built a community of mostly divorced women. Um, we're trying yeah. to build here a community too, because I, nobody was getting divorced when I got divorced. Um, at least I didn't I'd know of it. And I didn't have these outlets to listen to and to learn and to, to heal with and to, um, have people that I knew like, oh God, it's not, not only me. Um, what are the types of people that come to you and what are your most asked questions? That's a great question. question. Yeah, so I think, um, well, my most asked questions are always, how do I deal with my high conflict ex-spouse? Mm. When is it? When do you know it's time to leave your marriage? And are my kids going to be okay? I mean, those like, there's a lot, those are the umbrella like the big main things, and then lots fall into those different categories. But yes, there are ways to deal with your high conflict spouse and not lose your mind. Yes, your kids are going to be okay if you stay informed and make child-centered decisions instead of putting your children in the middle. And you're, you're probably not, you know, going to die alone. Like, you know, you're, you're going to be fine. You're going to figure it out. Like marriage is, is, you know, we're taught that it's just such an important part of your life, but it's just a part of your life. And the end goal in a split should never be getting remarried. It should be getting back in touch with yourself, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, those are the things I'm asked the most. And then women come to me in two different times of their lives, either when they're thinking of splitting and they need help and they want to be strategic and know what's going to, what the road holds for them. Um, and, you know, I help them with finding an attorney, what questions to ask the attorney, figuring out how to 
talk to their spouse about wanting to split, a lot of times I send them back to marriage counseling. I say, I don't think you're ready for a split. Come back to me in six months. Let me know how you're doing. And then I have the women who come to me when the marriage has just ended and they're like, holy shit, hold my hand, help me out. I can't do this. Yeah. You know, too often a lot of people navigate this without therapy or without a coach. How important, you know, as a divorce coach, and obviously uh, this is something that you're selling to prospective clients, but I'm, I'm curious, I didn't hire a divorce coach, nor did I have therapy. And, and I would say that my recovery process was elongated as a result. My, my divorce was fast, but recovering from just the pain and, and all the emotions that you go through, I think could have been a lot faster had I sought help. Um, what do you tell people in terms, and I love the fact that you're like, okay, I'm not going to hire, you know, you're not going to hire me. You're going to go back and get, get help with, <laughs> with a therapist. Um, how important is that piece of it? Cause a lot of people, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So everybody knows what a therapist can provide, but a lot of people don't really know what a divorce coach can provide and maybe explain yeah. a little bit more about that role. I, what I love most about my role, I think that's a great question. And yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. You don't know what you don't know. A, a couple um, women that I've worked with who have found themselves within my community and now are friends refer to me as their divorce Sherpa because I have literally yeah. like, you know, you're not going to climb Mount Everest without a really like trusted, well-respected mountain guide who knows every inch of that mountain. Mm. You're, the same goes for divorce. It's an uphill battle that you know nothing about. So what a coach can do is not only educate you on what you need to do and how you need to do it, they can help shift your perspective and see things from a more logical and rational lens versus just the mm -hmm. lens. You know, like the client who will call me at 10 o'clock at night, like, you know, Mike, I just found out my kids are still up at their dad's house and this is horrible and I'm calling my lawyer and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. What are we going to tell the lawyer? Make kids get up too late? <laughs> yes, it sucks. It's so annoying as a mom to have to give your kids over to somebody who is not going to do things the exact same way as you. But in that situation, I'm there to talk the client down from the proverbial ledge by saying, look, yeah. if you guys did bedtime the same way, if you guys did anything the same way, you'd probably still be together. Let's look at the long-term effects. Are your children going to not be able to be productive members of society because they're staying up too late tonight? Probably not. And does this problem of them staying up too late really affect them like long-term or is it more just annoying to you? And so we help sift through those problems so that we're not creating more fights when there can just be like the sense of like, all right, I'm not going to fight that battle. I'm going to wait yeah. for the next one and see if that's worth my energy. And that's where a coach is really helpful. Pick and you're choose like your battles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pick your battles. You're like the person that says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, let's think about the consequences of if we you know, throw gasoline on this. And perhaps right. if people had more divorce coaches in their life, their, their divorce could have been, could be a lot smoother too. And cheaper. Cause you do, you do. <laughs> well, tend that's to wanna, the other thing. Yes. You do yeah. tend to want to jump on the phone call with the attorney at every given moment, fix this, do this, what's going on with that. So um, your job is, is pretty powerful for someone that's going through this. Yeah. And I think, you know, another, another thing I'm helpful with is, you know, I once had a client, and this is where I realized we, we really needed to help people through the divorce process as coaches, because I had a client come to me who was so amicably separating from her ex. It was like a dream. Like, he was like, look, the kids are used to the house. You keep the house. I'll move out. I'm not, I, 
I'm not, you know, she had inherited a lot of money and, and she made more money than him in the divorce process. I'm not coming after you for your money. Um, then she found out like, you know, he had all of this money he had made from the stock market. Like, anyway, they were so amicable and they were just going to split things and like go their separate ways. And she called me and she's like, I'm freaking out. My attorney is basically gaslighting me and telling me that if I don't go after the money that he has, that I'm crazy. And mm -hmm. I don't know that I want to do that. Like, what's wrong with me? And I'm like, nothing's wrong with you, honey. Like, you don't have to fight just because your lawyer wants you to fight doesn't mean you have to fight. If you are okay saying you keep yours, I'll keep mine. Have a nice day. How beautiful that you're going to avoid litigation. You're going to avoid forensic, you know, accountants. You're just, you're just going to separate like normal people. And so once I realized that a lot of people just follow the attorney of their advice blindly thinking there's no other way, I realized, okay, we got to, we got to help people out here because that would have been a battle that would have not only cost them their amicability, but, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for like a, a pitiful end mm -hmm. result. I want to get to your, your, your best-selling new book, Moms Moving On, but I have to ask you this question as well. Um, you got divorced, you got remarried. How was all that? I did. Um, getting remarried was great. I would say getting divorced wasn't so fun, but like, you know, nothing good comes easy. Was it was it a certain period of time after your divorce? We met like randomly, coincidentally. I think I think Daniel knows the story. Um, just when I was settling into this period of like I'm good by myself. I had never been alone before. Yeah. I was a typical girl who went from relationship to relationship. I was like loving my alone time and and loving my little new townhouse with my daughter and just being with my friends. And all of a sudden, here comes this man who lives in my mom's building and he was so cute and he was always with his daughter. And I'm like, Ooh, and you know, I'm, I'm very socially awkward. So I wasn't like one to pick him up and same with him. He wasn't going to like be like, Hey baby. But he, then we, <laughs> we kept like seeing each other. And then he, we, we were both in the same edition of our city's newspaper. And then he found me on LinkedIn. And so that was all of eight weeks after I got separated. Wow. Um, Yes. But again, you wow. said you were already prepped and you already had your plan and, you know, that's kind of your style. Yeah. So it's not like you were, you know, um, you know, just haphazardly going through it. So, and I love the fact that you met someone organically. I mean, that's kind of fun. You got to avoid the dating apps altogether. You know, my brother had just come into town to visit and I'm very close with my brother and we were out for dinner with family one night, like about a week before I officially met Spencer. And he was like, what are you doing? Like, put yourself on an app. I was like, ew, no, I can't. And he like took my phone and downloaded some app and like made me a profile. And I remember going home that night and just like, I was like swiping. I was like, no, no, no. And it kept saying like, you're out of matches. And I'm like, well, God damn it. And then, and then right after that, I met my husband, but it was scary because I knew enough about myself at that point to know that like, I can't just jump into something new. Like I've done that so many times and look where it's gotten me. And so at that same time, I was already in therapy. And so I, my therapist really helped me decipher, like, is this just my, you know, anxious attachment or is this truly love at first sight? Like what's going on here? So having therapy really helped me make the right decisions in terms of how that relationship played out. Um, we took it slow in terms of blending our girls. We each have one daughter. And then two years later, we got married. Oh, that's a great story. Thanks for sharing Thank that, you. Michelle. Thank you. Well, let's now talk about to, yes. Yeah, let's go talk ahead, about Daniel. her book, Wendy. I mean, it's like, 
first of all, how, why in the hell did you decide to write a book? Because I know that's not like an easy endeavor. So I'd, I'd no. love to know. I'm sure this has been like something that's been part of your, oh, I'd love to do this. And 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 uh, I don't know if you're passionate about writing or not, but um, I'd love to know how it came to be and what inspired you to write. I am a very passionate writer, actually. I, okay. third grade, found my outlet in writing. I, my parents' divorce, like I said, happened when I was eight. So just when I was entering, I think middle of third grade, starting fourth grade. And I found an outlet in writing. I became like really passionate about keeping a journal and like writing in my diary. And then um, I had a third grade teacher who was a very, very like literacy-based teacher and all of my writing, she would celebrate. And she told me one day, like, you're going to write a book. And so I always had that in me. I was a journalism major in college. I was writing for different outlets like Scary Mommy and Creative Child Magazine and Parents Magazine when I got separated. And so the writing piece was always there. And then there was my grandpa who put me through college because he was amazing and um, would always ask me like, okay, like, where's the ROI here? Because I put you through college. Like, where's, where's the book? And I would always say, I would always talk about writing a book. And uh, two weeks ago at my book launch party, my husband actually gave a toast and said, on our first date, Michelle told me she was writing a book. And he would always ask me, like, where's the book? Um, and then in the summer of 2020, I was already coaching and I already had the podcast and people would DM me asking where they could buy my book. And I didn't have one yet. So now I'm like, all right, pressure's on. Everyone's <laughs> asking for it. And my grandpa had gotten really sick that summer and he didn't have a lot of time left. And I went to visit him up in New York before he died. And I remember walking in the room and everybody prepped me that he was like, you know, he's unresponsive and this is the end. And his eyes lit up and he sat up and he said, darling, where's the book? And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I have to do it. Yeah, so you better do it at that point. I, uh, as he, you know, I sat at his bedside as he, on his last days and I started flushing it all out and putting together an outline. And I decided that decided to hire a book coach to help me write it. And our first session together was like 45 minutes after his funeral. And it was really like, at that point, I felt like I owed it to him. I owed it to myself to finally get this done. And I was finally clear on what it needed to be about because of all the women that were coming to me for the help and the guidance. So um, yeah, two weeks ago when the book came out, my book coach sent me like a beautiful DM about, you know, never forget that your grandpa helped you do this. And we Aww. started on on the day that, you know, we, we had to say goodbye to him. And so that, that was a big driving force. But ultimately, I always knew I wanted to write a book. So that's my long, sappy story. Wow, that's a that is a great story. Here's to your grandpa. Thank you. And what and what a great book it is it's filled with so much advice. Um, for women out there. I mean, so many things that you said, it's so, I, I find it to be so important now to have a divorce coach because yeah. you are like, you are like that friend. You, you fill that empty space. You, you know, obviously you can hold their hand, but you can, you know, guide them in the right direction because you've been down, you've been down and through the storm and through the hills and, and everything in between. Um, so trying to help them not make the same mistakes that we all did before we knew, because we always say, right, if we knew, if we knew then what we know now, it would be a lot different. It would be a lot different. Hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> you yeah, know what I love also is I feel like, and you may not even look at this, look at it this way, Michelle, but 
I, and I didn't know the, the extent of your story, but I can tell why your pillars, I mean, I kind of see your pillars and your platform as community, high conflict and co-parenting. And those are mm -hmm. all three that you experienced personally, you know, with your yeah. parents and then you dealing with your lack of community going through your own divorce, as well as, you know, dealing with all the co-parenting issues and those now become your talking points and what you're passionate about helping people through. And those are some of the biggest issues that people experience in their divorce. Absolutely. And I, and I do love that I can come at it from the lens of having been the child of divorce and now raising a child of divorce because it gives me so much more perspective on, <laughs> on really what it's like to be a child of divorce and exactly what not to do. Yeah. Such empowering advice too. And also, um, as a, you have a stepdaughter. I do. She's the so, best. Yeah. So that, so that too. So that's just another layer of advice that you can give as well. So your, your book is oh filled God. with so much pra yeah. practical and, you know, actionable advice. Mom's moving on. Where can everyone go get the book? So if you um, are not sure where you want to purchase it, you can just go on to simonandschuster.com and it has links to all the different retailers like Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Goodreads. It's also available um, at stores like Walmart. I didn't even know until I Googled myself. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I recorded the Audible version. A lot of people have been messaging me telling me how much they love the Audible. They're like, you're working out with me this morning or, you know, you're in my car <laughs> ride today. And, um, and also on Kindle. So I know that for people who are still married and want to read the book to just kind of get an idea of what is about to come, Amazon um, is not an option because a lot of people share Amazon accounts still with their spouses. And I've gotten mm. messages from them like, what am I supposed to do? So I'm like, I got you, girl. It's at Target. So um, <laughs> that's been that's been the great alternative because who's going to question like an extra 20 bucks spent at Target, you know? Exactly. So everyone should go out and get the book. Mom's moving on. It's really good, actionable, empowering advice. Certified divorce coach and co-parenting specialist, Michelle Dempsey-Moltek. I think we could have you on for 17 times, like you said at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> Come sure. back again, please. Please, thank you for being our very first first guest on Divorce Doesn't Suck. Um, we were so happy to have you and to learn, to hear your story and for you to share all your amazing advice with us. Thanks, guys. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much, Michelle. Nito Kuda, Divorce and Family Law is an incredible resource for divorce and family law matters. Simply put, Nito Kuda is in the business of moving lives forward. Client reviews are everything, right? Well, listen to this. The American Institute of Family Law Attorneys named Nito Kuda their top 10 family law firm for client satisfaction for the past four years. That's huge. Managing partner, attorney Melissa Needle has practiced family law for over 30 years. She has navigated hundreds of Connecticut clients through their personal divorce journey. Every story and experience is unique. Melissa shares her wisdom, learnings, and practical tips about divorce each month in our interview series called Mapping Your New Path Forward with attorney Melissa Needle. Melissa has built a reputation in Lower Fairfield County from Greenwich to Westport as an attorney who is forceful but fair. Her firm handles high net worth cases layered with contested custody and complex property division. We're so lucky to have her on Mapping Your New Path Forward with Melissa Needle. Tune in for Melissa's episodes and visit needlecuda.com. That's needle like the sewing needle, cuda spelled C-U-D-A.com, needlecuda.com.